All right, uh, so welcome to the season preview edition of the uh, Stouscast. Uh, thanks to everyone who listened last week. Got actually pretty good, I, I think higher than the 12 uh, we initially pr- projected. So, you know, decent start to the podcast. Yeah, I think we hit 100 on our first episode, uh, which is pretty damn good. Thank you, everyone who's listening. Um, I don't know that all those people are going to stick with us for this long or longer, but, you know, in all seriousness, we're just doing this for fun, and we appreciate it. And, you know, like and share and subscribe or whatever they say now on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think, you know, we, we kind of started this because we just had reached the critical, like, point of <laughs> we just had, we're talking about Michigan football too much. They were like, this is going to be easier to do live, and we might as well record it and make it into a podcast. Um, yeah, and I, I'm going to snitch on Dan here a little bit. And, and one of the problems with discussing – sports online like in the various chats that dan and i are in on twitter is uh you end up having the same conversations over and over and over again if you've ever read mgo board or the 247 you know michigan insider board you'll be familiar with us how it's the same topics in perpetuity and i'm stitching on dan in a positive way which is that he actually like dug into pff and did like a player by player preview of all of michigan's opponents so i think dan is doing his best to break the cycle of just talking about the same like five things this is a this is a man who's going for substance people <laughs> yeah i i mean look I, I just think the number one thing that annoys i kind of realize now after i've done the work to sort of preview do an in-depth preview of every team why people don't do this and just kind of go with like easy platitudes but it just annoys me because you just I, i'll go off on a little bit of a rant right now but i just feel like season previews just kind of accept narratives as being true they'll just say like oh yeah this player's good or like whatever like this and it's just like you'll, you'll just find things that are not true at all. You know, have no basis in reality. You know, when, when you really dig into PFF and, like, go to, like, you know, NFL draft previews or just stuff, like, people – from people that actually know, you know. And so that's what I find annoying about season previews uh, in general. So I kind of th- – this is my attempt at somehow breaking this cycle, but I'm sure eventually I will just devolve into repeating narratives because it is hard to uh, – to objectively evaluate, you know, every player. So I mean, I'm I'm here for the narrative. I'm the narrative guy. So you got me for that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I think what we're gonna do is we're gonna go through each of Michigan's uh, eight opponents. Um, kind of just talk, like, give a general overview, um, and then talk about, you know, can Michigan win this game? Will you know? Do we expect Michigan to win this game? Um, and what does a win look at like? What does a loss look like? And then you know, kind of give our our season predictions at the end here. So. Um, you know, without further ado, let's let's talk about uh, Minnesota. Um, so Minnesota's offense was sick last year. Um, they, especially as a Michigan fan, it was you know uh, frustrating to watch. They basically ran the offense that um, Michigan fans really wanted to see, where you just let your star wide receivers eat, as the kids say. Um, and uh, it was extremely RPO heavy. Um, you know, lots of inside zone, lots of just throwing to receivers. Tanner Morgan's uh, a JT Barrett type quarterback in that he's just really, you know, a good college quarterback, probably not of much interest in the NFL, but just makes the right reads, the right plays, and doesn't miss his open receivers. Um, The guy that Michigan fans would have killed for last year. (laughs) Exactly. He's what Shea Patterson, like, I mean, just, you know, yes, absolutely. He's not a detriment (laughs) to his offense. I I won't get too worked up, but yeah, he, I would say if Tanner Morgan was Michigan's quarterback last year, you, I don't think it's crazy to say that they would have, I don't know, beaten Penn State is what I'll say, or like just 
challenge for the Big Ten title. I mean, that could have been the year. You know, that would have been another shot. Been the year. For yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, as far as you know, they've, they've got their offensive line is all coming back. Um, they were they were good, not great last year. I think it's a lot of veterans. Um, they struggle a little bit in pass protection, but a lot of that is also because you know Minnesota takes a lot of deep shots. Um, and they really didn't – the one thing is that they had a pretty effective run game, but they didn't run the ball very well against the good defenses they face. Um, they, they didn't run the ball great against Iowa or Wisconsin or uh, – I cannot remember the other one, but there was one other good defense they played that they didn't run the ball – or Penn State. They didn't run the ball great against Penn State. So a little bit, you know, uh, not, not a dominant running game, um, but, you know, they do have a 400-pound monster uh, lining up at uh, right tackle. Daniel Falele. I'm not even sure how that's how you pronounce it, but he's 400 pounds and he's legitimately very good. Um, and then uh, from a wide receiver perspective, you know, I'm sure everyone that's listening to this is aware at this point. Uh, Rashad Bateman's coming back. Um, he's a power forward type receiver that runs great routes. Um, I think it's safe to say we're a little. That's that's the matchup we're most worried about uh, for Week One. Yeah, I mean, maybe I can jump in here and say like. I think the contours of a loss here, and I guess I'm supposed to say what, what a win would look like, but like, <laughs> I think we, I, I, I'm just. But this to, is like, a Michigan podcast, so. Yeah, I mean, here, here's what I ultimately think, and I think is borne out by the evidence. Like, Michigan is more talented than this team because Michigan is more talented than anyone they play, except obviously Ohio State, and they're about equally talented as Penn State. Um, and you're going to see me, that's going to be a recurring motif throughout these previews. So I think Michigan has a very good chance to win here. But the contours of a loss are mostly, I think, just inability on Michigan's part to contain the passing game and Rashad Bateman getting whatever he wants and that opening up uh, everything else for Tanner Morgan and those other receivers who aren't as talented. But P.J. Fleck is, you know, a brilliant receivers coach who recruits and develops very well at that position. Um, and I think the, the, night, the nightmare scenario there, you know, looks very similar to when Michigan had to play, like, the deep state Penn state teams, right? Like just an inability to contain the big play um, that then will set you up over time to be chipped away at on, on shorter plays. And, you know, we've seen this happen before with teams that have uh, loaded receiver rooms. Um, And, you know, I mean, in fairness, not to ramble too much, but that is, that's just how, you know, college football games are lost by good teams now anyway. But that's, that's, I think what we're most worried about here. Yep, I think, you know, without, at risk of getting too in-depth, I think just the worry here is, like, if Tanner Morgan and Rashad Babin can take over this game, they can dominate Michigan's secondary. And, you know, it, it's it's very possible that it's just, like, a four-touch, like, an insane performance and, um, you know, that they just kind of run over a, a pretty shaky Michigan corner room. Um, kind of moving on, you know, here, they've uh, – uh, They've got a pretty good running back room, Mohamed um, Ibrahim. He's kind of a pinball type, um, you know, sort of. I would, I would compare him, you know, uh, favorably to uh, Karan Higdon. Um, you know, but like I said, like a, a good, not great um, uh, running game. Uh, like Connor said, the receiver room outside of Rashad Bateman, um, they have, you know, they've, they've recruited well. They're going to be good. Um, they really barely used their tight ends last year. Um, and they barely threw. They barely threw to anyone besides their running back. So that is something to watch. Um, moving on to the defensive side. So uh, PJ Fleck has not had great defenses at Minnesota. I think last year they were up around like twenty fifth in SP plus, um, which is like the best that they've been. Um, 
They got they they lost a ton off their defensive front. Um, so they've they've got uh, they've got a, a pretty good set of edge players. Um, not great. Uh, they they have Boye Mafe, who they're hoping is going to be like their their rush guy. But he was you know he like flashed last year. He wasn't incredible. Um, but uh, you know from a from a def- and then from a defensive interior perspective. Um, they've, they've got just a couple of, like, meh pluggers. Um, and the, the real problem is linebacker, where they just are very inexperienced. Um, and, uh, you know, they've got some, they've got, they've got a really, you know, nice, uh, veteran secondary. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, I would say that, you know, their, their defensive front and their linebackers are, are definitely, definitely exploitable. Um, so... You know that's that's kind of the general overview of their of their team. Um, you know, like I said, we're, I'm gonna try to run through this one just because we're gonna do a more in depth episode. You know, right after this. Um, but uh, Connor, you know, tell me what a Michigan win looks like against this team. I mean, I'll preface this by saying if people aren't familiar with me, I don't know as much about football as Dan does. So I I think in pretty simplistic terms. And so when I look at a team like Minnesota that has a serious like talent deficit. An experience deficit um, in their front seven, and their D line and their linebackers look highly exploitable. And they're by far their best players on defense are all in the secondary. And Michigan's coming in with you know a young, uh, mostly unproven set of guys in the passing game, especially uh, the quarterback will be his first game starting, the first game with more than like you know two snaps. Um, right. What does that say to me? It says run the ball. Like I, what I what I want to see here, and this is going to be I, I counterintuitive for how I want the rest of the season to go, and it sucks because Michigan has to start with a game where they really have to dig down and make an effort rather than tuning up their passing game against you know Northwestern Missouri State. But because this is a real challenge, like I need we're going to need to see Michigan's offensive line be bullies in the run game. I think the good news is like especially the right side of that line. Uh, Mayfield and Stuber are veteran guys who I think will be moving some dudes and maybe there'll be more mistakes on the left side. But I need to see them open some holes and I need to see Michigan running backs take advantage of that. And and I think like the main thing for me is make Minnesota pro- make Minnesota prove they can stop your run game. Like just go at them with Charbonnet and Haskins, try to overpower them uh, and keep the threat of the deep ball there uh, and keep the threat of also the zone read with Joe Milton. Like, like you know, Make sure Minnesota understands that you're willing to take the top off of their defense, even if it means Roman Wilson streaking down the sideline and, you know, probably not catching the ball. But <laughs> right. yeah. anyway, that's yeah. that's my broad take here. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. I think we can run the ball on this team. Um, I think that, uh, you know, it, it, it's also possible that Rashad Bateman and Tanner – I think a loss here just looks like Tanner Morgan and Rashad Bateman being, you know, kind of just the most experienced duo on the field and just kind of going off. Um, and just outscoring a Michigan team that, you know, uh, like we've seen in the Harbaugh era, you know, potentially starts slow on the road. Um, so I really think, you know, Vegas has this as a uh, as, as Minnesota's two-and-a-half-point favorites. I think that's fair. Um, and, you know, that, that basically means it's going to be a toss-up. So, you know, I can see this really going either way. Um, so, you know, moving on here to uh, Michigan State, game two. I think the game that uh, Connor and I are – both most excited for um, on this schedule. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, what can I, I? I have to I have to restrain myself from saying anything too awful here, but just like you know, Michigan gave Michigan State a well deserved, you know, sort of long long awaited and long deserved 
beat down last year. And I think that there's nothing um, too excessive about saying that Michigan State is owed at least a couple more beat downs before Michigan, before Michigan takes their foot off the gas in the fourth quarter. Like what I loved about last year was Harbaugh did not stop throwing the ball for touchdowns in the fourth quarter. And I think you'll see that again this year. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. Um, so as, as a ge- the general shape of their team, uh, Michigan State tried desperately to uh, come up with a, um, a transfer quarterback in the offseason. They did not. Um, their, their, their quarterback battle is ongoing. Rocky Lombardi, in his you know, pretty extensive playing time thus far, has been one of the worst quarterbacks in the country, and I'm not exaggerating. He really, like, he really is bad. Um, uh, he's, if he's the starter, it's going to be a problem. Um, you know, we, uh, him even getting to average would be like one of the biggest improvements of a quarterback like all time. Um, and then, uh, you know, they've got, they've got a couple of younger guys, but just none of them have beaten out Rocky Lombardi yet. So it seems like quarterback's going to be a, a kind of a, a, a black hole there. Um, you know, a, a, with, with below average really being the ceiling, especially in the second game of the year. Um, and then at all, on offensive line, I mean, this, this unit's just been bad under Mark D'Antonio for the past four years. Um, they really only have one tackle. Uh, they, they, they've got a whole mess of, they're kind of deep in that they've got a lot of like bad veteran guards that are pretty <laughs> much all the same guy. Like, they're, none of them are, I would say, are like black holes, but none of them are good at anything. They're just, they're just guards, you know. Um, and uh, a couple of them are going to have to play tackle, <laughs> so that's really kind of where you're at. Couple, couple, uh, couple, you know, promising younger guys, but mostly bad veteran guards. Um, Eli Collins is a good running back. I, you know, I don't think he's like an NFL running back, but he's good. He's legitimately good. He he was kind of a hero behind this offensive line last year, and. I would not wish that upon my worst enemy. Um, from the wide receiver perspective, they're kind of relying a lot on uh, Western Michigan transfer Jaden Reed to come in, and, and you know he was, an, he was a freshman All-American at Western Michigan. They're relying on him to come in and kind of you know replicate some of that, um, some of that. But he took an entire year off, you know, so it, it's really kind of up in the air as as uh, as to what that's going to look like. Um, Trey Mosley started rounding into a pretty good receiver towards the end of last year. He's kind of your downfield guy. And then, you know, they, they continually speed, it's speedy nail your speedy nailer off season every year for the past, like three years. And every year he's gotten injured. Um, he is fast, but I don't like, we haven't seen that much of him. He's been on the field, like for five total games in three years. Um, at tight end is, uh, um, tight ends, another black hole. I mean, just, you know, uh, Trent Gillison is the guy is was a four star recruit, um, but he was I mean he caught like ten balls last year and they're hyping him up as like you know their next guy. Um, he's a real he's a bad blocker um, and they just moved a pun, a punter there for some depth, <laughs> which should give you it's it's literally Trenton Gillison I think a, a a true freshman and then two converted defensive ends and a converted punter and that's it at tight end. And yeah, like, I mean I just want to yeah, stress you can, here you can like. Go to that. <laughs> If you root for like a good high school team, like you don't want to hear that they're moving the punter to yeah. tight end. Like that's yes, it's doing it's, that. In it's the Big Ten East. <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. I mean, and it's like, look, is the is the punter necessarily going to play? No, I don't think he will. But like the fact that they're doing that and just like trying to find a body is like all alarms red flag. You know, like, like you you can't. It's like absolutely. I mean, and so you know, tight end is not the most. 
a crucial position for an offense. But I think where it's going to hurt Michigan State is they're just not going to have positional flexibility. They're going to have to run out there with three wide receivers and a tight end and a running back for all their snaps. I mean, I don't know where they're going to – they've got a fullback on roster who, you know, they've eliminated the fullback position from their offense. So I guess he could play H-back. But, like, that's what it's going to have to be on their offense. And if anyone gets hurt that's not one of their – you know, a million bad veteran guards, they're going to be in trouble. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think you're also you're being really quite nice in this, like, analysis because, like, another really funny thing, they had a promising young receiver in Julian Barnett, who is a top 100 recruit who should have gone to Michigan and probably would have if he weren't a Belleville guy. Cur- curses upon yeah. Belleville. Um, <laughs> and, you know, uh, he was a cornerback recruit, and, and, if he, and if he'd gone to Michigan, he'd probably be CB1 right now, so that's one of the reasons I'm yeah. salty about this. But, like, he <laughs> was, you know, he was a promising young receiver in that, you know, he, yeah. he can give he could give trouble to, like, Michigan secondary last year because he was a, he's a very good athlete. And they had to move him back to cornerback because that, that position group is so abject that they had to make the calculus that, like, probably a guy who would have been their best receiver needs to play cornerback. That's the kind of team this is right now. Yeah, it it really is, and it's you know, a lot of Michigan State offseason chatters been like, oh well, this this this, the initial take was this this roster, this is a you know a a bear cupboard, and you know there and and the, the offseason chatter now has kind of been like, oh well, there's some talent here, and there is some talent. Like I'm not gonna like you know I'm not totally bashing them. Like the level of talent is still like you know above like a Rutgers, but or like a Maryland or even you know an Indiana, <laughs> oh, really. like it yeah, is above. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm trying to be nice. I really am. I, you know, you know how mean I can be um, to Michigan State. But the, the thing is, it's it just feels like Mark D'Antonio was not looking at his roster when he was recruiting for the past like three years. There's just these gaping holes in the roster. There's no tight ends. There's no defensive ends. There's no tackles. It just the the construction of this roster makes no sense. And it's it's not what Michigan ha- Michigan State has that's the problem. You know, because they have some decent pieces. It's what they don't have. Um, so, anyway, moving on to the defense a little bit here. Um, at defensive tackle, I think, is one of their stronger position groups. Naquan Jones is a former four-star. He's a fifth-year senior guy. Um, he's really only okay. Like, he, he, people keep talking him up as, like, a potential NFL draft pick. I don't think he is. He's only okay. But, like, he's a good plugger, and he's a big body. Um, Jacob Slade, I think, is actually potentially... You know, he's a junior. I think he's potentially your better option for a breakout defensive tackle. Um, he was, he, he's kind of, uh, he was he was pretty much as good as Naquan last year as a second-year player. Um, defensive end is going to be a problem, and it's going to be a problem because I think Michigan State's best player is, um, you know, the lesser Panashuk, who's a legitimately good pass rusher, um, but cannot play the run at all. He's like your poor man's Josh Uche. Um, and then their other their other defensive end is going to be a walk on or somebody that didn't play at all last year. Um, and Drew Be- Drew Beasley is actually okay, the walk on, um, but like you know you don't want that to be one of your starters, quite frankly. Um, at the linebacker level, Antoine Simmons is a really good player. He's going to be their Sam. Um, you know he's kind of your classic. In a, in a, on a better Michigan State team, he'd be your classic. Like uh, you know he grew up in Ann Arbor, or like he'd be you know your chip on your shoulder type guy. Um, unfortunately, I think this year he's just going to be watching from the outside as a lot of runs go up to the middle for like eight yards. Um, uh, and you've got your Noah Harvey who, you know, it's going to be interesting from a, a linebacker perspective this year because Michigan State's moving from their, you know, classic quarters defense where the linebackers really are focused on the run above all else 
to more of like a Nick Saban um, pattern matching cover three defense. Um, so we'll really see like how things go there. Um, but I don't want to get, again, don't want to get too in depth. Um, like Connor mentioned at cornerback, you've got your, you know, uh, top, top hundred overall recruit, Julian Barnett, um, who you got to think is going to start, but he's basically a freshman this year because he played wide receiver last year. Like in an alternate universe where he actually gets to play cornerback last year, you're coming in thinking like, oh, this guy could be all big 10. Um, cause he's clearly very, very talented, but he's going to make freshman mistakes because this is his first year playing. Um, the second corner spot is probably going to be a bad. I mean, um, you know, you, you've, you've got some talent there that D'Antonio's recruited, um, but they were all pretty bad last year, Other, you know, at that second corner spot. Um, and then safety has one veteran in Xavier Henderson, um, who's a good coverage safety, and then one total question mark um, is probably also going to be bad, quite frankly. Um, so... Connor, what does a Michigan win look like here? A Michigan win looks like Michigan turning the ball over fewer than, like, let's say seven times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't want to be too – I guess I do want to be too cocky here just because, like, whatever voodoo and scheme – like, whatever factors may have gone into D'Antonio beating some Michigan teams that were, in theory, more talented. And, like, it's important to note that those D'Antonio teams that were good – there were a lot of eval. I mean, a tremendous amount of eval and development wins that, like, they were probably the best, like, you know, eval and development program for underrated guys in the country for several years, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, like, Michigan might be better than them even at that. And it's it just the talent the talent imbalance here, yeah, it's more akin. It's This used to be a game that was, like, Michigan playing Penn State, and now it's, like, a game that's, like, Michigan playing, at best, Indiana, but Indiana's better coached and has a more coherent roster. So it's really like Michigan playing Maryland, maybe. But Maryland has more team speed. So, I like, it just, I I just, you know, I I, it would take, I mean, for Michigan to lose this game, I feel like you would need, like, serious catastrophic injuries and, like, you know, punts getting blocked and just like everything going wrong. Maybe like a maybe like a typhoon, like they played Notre Dame. But even in a typhoon, Michigan can run the ball on these guys. So I I just don't know. You know. <laughs> yeah, I generally agree. I think this is like a very like this is one of the more sure wins outside of Maryland Rutgers on the schedule. Like I I have to imagine. Um, and I think that you know, I mean, like. It, you, you could see Joe Milton coming out and, and looking shaky and throwing a pick or two. And that's kind of your beginning of like where a Michigan loss starts to happen. But at the same time, like I just don't think Michigan state is going to come out more organized with a new, a completely new coaching staff, a completely new quarterback, a completely new defense. Basically uh, they're not going to come out more organized than Michigan who, you know, at the very least is, is has, you know, a cohesive unit. Um, and, and, you know, coaching staff. So I, I think this is going to be a Michigan win. Um, I, you know, I think a t- I, it's getting to the point where it's like a tur- it's a turnover fest, you know, an absolute, you know, Michigan dud to lose the game. Um, so, uh, yeah, moving on to Indiana here. Um, so a little bit of background. Indiana's kind of been the, uh, the, the trendy pick for, you know, um, like, oh, could they unseat Michigan at the number three slot this year? Like, it's kind of like the fun, like Big Ten blogger thing to ask is like whether Indiana is is the up and coming third best team in the um, in in the in the East, uh, and I think that's ridiculous. But I'll, I'll I'll ask Connor what he thinks about that. I mean, 
the, the beauty of this season, if you're a Michigan fan, is that this is the, the year, finally, that Michigan is underrated. Because everyone yeah. has decided, like you said, that this narrative that Indiana is going to be as good as them and that, you know, that Penn State has clearly pulled away and is up there with Ohio State. Like, you know, we'll get to the Penn State game, but, like, guys, like, <laughs> yeah, Michigan has Michigan has been very good under Harbaugh. This is their, you know, and I, I, some of these, narr- these overarching narratives about Michigan are getting absolutely hilarious in a way that I think works to Michigan's favor because I would I would honestly rather be coming from behind a little bit here than be in the position Penn State is and people are like well Penn State might be a top five team in the country bullshit but (laughs) (laughs) um anyway sorry that was that was maybe not the answer you wanted about Indiana I guess that that answers the question just by saying that like no I don't think Indiana is anywhere near on Michigan's level I do take them seriously because I think that they that I think Tom Allen's a good coach I think they have shown that ability to put together coherent rosters that suit what they want to do, even while not having the recruiting acumen of the elite teams. And uh, I think, you know, I think they're a team that can hurt you and uh, is one that you have to take seriously in a way that I currently don't take Michigan State, for instance. So for me, the team they've leapfrogged is Michigan State, basically. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, th- there just is a, a still a huge talent differential, you know, uh, between Michigan and, and Indiana. Um, you know, I, I think. Number one, Indiana probably is one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now, Michael Penix Jr., who is, um, you know, hilarious name. We've all made the jokes. <laughs> his name um, is Penix. <laughs> his name is Penix. It's like the penis. Um, and But he's he's legitimately sick. You know, he was uh, he only played five games last year, but he had like 10 yards per attempt and also like 6.5 yards per carry. So he's like a legitimate dual threat, not just a dual threat in the way that, um, you know, announcers decide that uh, s- certain quarterbacks are dual threats. He actually is a dual threat um stevie scott is uh you know a good um a good running back um they've got some some good pass catchers led by uh wap fillier who is you know a very good downfield target as a slot um and then they've got a couple big bodies on the outside that are you know pretty good um from a from a offensive line perspective uh they've got some they've got like four pretty damn good starters none of whom can really pass uh run block but all of whom are decent um uh decent pass protectors um so that's like that's left guard center right guard right tackle biggest problem is that left tackle is a huge uh black hole um matthew bedford uh stepped in at left tackle last year i think as a freshman and he was horrendous as a pass protector um he's huge um, so he's, you know, he's got the frame, he's got potential, but like, I just don't think he's going to be, uh, like, he's going to be a, a major anchor unless he gets much, much better as a, as a pass protector. Um, then on defense, uh, you know, Indiana's kind of developed a reputation as a decent defensive team because Tom Allen's a defensive guy. Um, they weren't very good as defensive team last year, and I don't think they're going to be very good this year. Um, they, they have some they have one okay defensive tackle um they none of their uh none of their defensive ends can really rush the passer um and only one of them can really play the run um from a linebacker perspective uh you know they're just fine um and uh you know they especially their they they had you know they had like their viper or their sam marcelino ball who was Pretty good in 2018, but, like, really struggled in 2019. Um, 
And then, you know, their safeties are – their safeties, I think, actually, you know, they have one guy, They have one freshman who was uh, – or, sorry, they have one player who was really good last year and, you know, could be um, a, good, a good player in Jamar Johnson at the safety level. Um, the other, uh, Devin Matthews, is just fine. Um, and then they've got uh, – they've actually got – two really good corners. That's the, that would be the highlight of their defense if there is one. Um, so, you know, this feels like another uh, Big Ten team with a really solid secondary that Michigan can run the ball on. Um, so, uh, Connor, what does a, a Michigan loss look like in this game? A Michigan loss, um, this will be a theme I keep coming back to. I think it looks like Milton getting a little bit lost in the passing game and turning the ball over a couple times. Uh, I mean, like you said, Indiana has good enough corners that if you stare down T1 Mullen, he's going to pick you off. So don't do that. Um, yep. You know, I, I, I think that's like it's a cop out to say like, oh, if Michigan turns the ball over a bunch, they'll lose. But like that, that kind of is a huge thing for me this year is that because Michigan has so much explosiveness in their skill positions and because Milton has so much arm talent and because the offensive line we believe have reason to believe is going to be good again. Look, you know, and be, essentially, like this is something to establish right now. I think Michigan has skill talent that is going to be really hard for everyone in the Big Ten to handle, except Ohio State and to a certain degree Penn State. Um, even teams like Wisconsin, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be tough because Michigan is just a lot faster than you. Their team speed is genuinely elite. So, you know, it, it becomes a matter of like, can Michigan actually? It, it mostly is a matter of like, can Michigan get the ball to these guys? perhaps in space, as Gaddis says. On defense, like, yeah, Phoenix is a problem. Um, I, it, 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 there, is, there is a scenario this year. This is the one that some analysts think will play out, by which I mean MGO blog. Love you guys. Uh, it's, it's, you know, <laughs> a scenario where the, the Michigan secondary is just bad. I think you and I are a little bit less, like, catastrophic about that until we see what's actually happening out there and how Michigan is adapting and playing more zone. But, you know, Phoenix is a guy who's got some targets and – yeah, I mean, it's possible that Michigan's cornerbacks just can't hack it against uh, a team with a passing attack that's even this good. I'm still quite optimistic here, uh, and, I, and I'm and i not ready to, like, consign any aspect of Michigan's defense to, like, uh, the trash heap until I actually see it on the field. That was kind of a, a long, confusing answer, so maybe you can be more specific. I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, it's all right. Yeah, I, I think, you know, um, I think a Michigan um, – I think Michigan is, is clearly the better team than Indiana, um, but I do think Indiana has enough. Like, at the end of the day, it comes. There's a certain level of offense, right, that has been completely overwhelmed by Don Brown in the past. Um, Indiana has been above that line, and they've been able to actually handle Michigan's defense. Not, and I don't mean handling like dominate, but like not score zero points against them in a way that a lot of other teams with similar talent levels to Indiana have not been able to do. So, you know, if Indiana's line can hold up decently well, which, you know, they've got four out of five decent starters, and Michael Penix scrambles for, you know, a thousand yards like it, like uh, every, uh, you know, dual threat quarterback seems to do against Michigan, um, you know, that's kind of your start to, to an efficient offense. And then, you know, from a defensive perspective, like, if Michigan's ground game can't get working and and Joe Milton is, you know, struggling, you know, uh, through the early part of the year, um, this this secondary is good enough to hold up decently well. Um, and, and you know, I, I think that Michigan should be able to run the ball on these guys, but they, 
like if the offensive line isn't gelling right away, it's also possible that they struggle. Um, you know, that said, I mean, I think Michigan should be at least a seven-point favorite here. I think they will win. Um, it's just a, you know, it, 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 but like, you know, the, this team is good enough. Like I take this team much more seriously, like Connor said, than Michigan State. Um, and I think, I think it would be a mistake for Michigan to assume that just because they've won, they, you know, they haven't lost since like the 80s, that they'll just win this game automatically. Um, <laughs> which is, by the way, a little side note. I did not realize that for Indiana's been in the Big Ten for, you know, the entirety of the conference and has only won the conference like twice. That is incredible. Yeah, I mean, they are so not a football school that I one reason I give them a ton of credit is because they've managed to have winning seasons in the second toughest division in all of college football while not being a football school and not being in like a football state to recruit in. Like there's so many handicaps here that the fact that Indiana is winning eight games occasionally is like I think generally commendable. It sounds patronizing, but it's like it's totally that's totally where I'm yeah. at with them and one reason I take them seriously. And and you know, um I think that one way to preview this to say, like, is, again, it's very likely that Michigan will win this game. That's the likely outcome. But the scenario where we're worried about them going into it is one where Michigan loses to Minnesota, which is very possible. And that could be an ugly ugly loss even, depending on a number of things. Um, Mm -hmm. And then Michigan beats Michigan State, you know, overwhelmingly likely, but not, like, let's say that we don't pound them by five touchdowns like last year. Then I'm worried about going into this game because I know that Indiana yeah. is a well-coached enough team, a cohesive enough team to give us some trouble. So that's that's where the like the, the preseason quakes would be coming, or the, pre- the pregame like tremors would be coming in. I guess you know. Yeah, I mean, there's absolutely a there's absolutely a universe where Indiana is maybe like a one point or two point favorite against Michigan. That I'm not saying it's likely, but like. There's a there's a scenario where Michigan looks bad enough at the beginning of the year that this that you know they're they're like a, either a small favorite or a small underdog to Indiana right. and that that would be extremely worrying. Yeah, and, bar, um, and barring injury, that mostly depends on how good Joe Milton is. I think. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so uh, moving on then to Wisconsin, who you know I think is one of our, uh, you know, probably probably one of the bigger games of the year. Um, so uh, from an offensive perspective, uh, Wisconsin actually loses a lot. Um, you know, and I think, I think there's a kind of a temptation among media types to always sort of just assume that Wisconsin is going to, you know, be a, a grounded pound offense and be incredibly efficient. And I, I'm not even going to disagree with that because they, you know, they've earned that reputation at this point. Um, but they did lose Jack Cohn for what seems like potentially the year. Um, Jack Cohn was very good last year, underratedly. I, I did not realize how good he was. Very efficient, like the the you know the pinnacle of like what a game manager can be. I mean, he um, tore Michigan apart on like you know seventeen attempts or whatever. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah he was incredibly efficient. I mean, he was good. Um, and uh, you know they come in with uh, Graham Mertz is going to be the starter there. Um, he's a former you know like top fifty you know four and a half star type guy. Um, he, he looked good in his limited snaps last year, but, you know, he will be a first-time starter. Um, but, you know, he's going to have, like, again, if they, if they just, like, make him be the, uh, they just have him as kind of a game manager, which is what they've had all of their quarterbacks be, be since Russell Wilson, basically, um, he'll, he'll look, you know, he'll, he'll look fine, I'm sure, at the bare minimum. Um, from an offensive line perspective, you've got, um, basic, I think you've got all five guys that are going to be starting have seen significant time. Um, and all five of them are pretty good. Um, left tackle, 
Uh, left tackles, you know, very good. You know, Cole Van Lannon, who absolutely, I think he's moving in over from guard or something. He beat the shit out of Michigan last year. Um, yeah, he's, uh, I don't know if people have heard this, but Wisconsin tends to have good offensive lines. Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's like what I'm basically about to say is like they're basically going to be good at every position. Um, left tackle, right guard, right tackle, all are, are very good. Um, I will say, and this is like, you know, this is going to sound so stupid for me to even like put a, an asterisk on this offensive line, but um, Wisconsin's projected left guard um, – and center were not great last year. Like, they couldn't really run block. Um, their center, Caden Lyles especially, struggled a little bit. Um, you know, that said, like, I just, I, I don't know. This is, like, one of those. It's, it's, if we're going to, like, give Michigan's offensive line the benefit of the doubt, we've got to give Wisconsin's <laughs> yeah. the benefit of the doubt. And it's going like, yeah. to be very good. And what was that article about, like, their, their coaching style? Like, if you don't play well, they'll, they'll like, kidnap your family or whatever. Like, they take this pretty yeah, seriously right. at Wisconsin. Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're going to be good. Um, I think where the real like worries come in is that you know Jonathan Taylor was legitimately very good last year, and we're seeing him you know be good in the NFL as well. Um, he was he was an elite level back behind an elite level line, which is what made their offense so dangerous. Um, Nikia Watson behind that same offensive line last year, I think only averaged like four and a half yards per carry and did not grade out well per pro football focus. He seems like he's going to be the starter last year, you know, next year and or this year. And, you know, I'm sure he'll be good. I'm sure he'll like put up good numbers, but you know, he's definitely not Jonathan Taylor, which is going to be a big downgrade. Like there's going to be a handful of times a game that Wisconsin would otherwise, you know, maybe in previous years would get a huge run, but this year might not. Um, Garrett Groshek is their, uh, you know, their white guy, um, you know, fifth year senior who, uh, we would always kind of like um, breathe a sigh of relief when you see him in the game against because you're just like oh Jonathan Taylor's gone, but he's quietly a very good receiving back. Um, so I just wanted to like you know shout out Garrett Groshek. Um, I don't want to hate on you as much as every everyone else seems to be doing. Um, and then the other bigger problem area is going to be a wide receiver where they just they don't really have a ton. Everyone coming back last year from last year like could not really separate. They're just not great options. Um, you know, they've got a really good tight end coming back and Jake Ferguson, who's a, you know, like one of those really tough, like intermediate tight ends that's going to like catch the ball in traffic and hold on to it. Um, so he'll be good. He'll be efficient, but I think their wide receiver and a running back room could be like relative problems. Um, so, you know, Connor, I think, I know that you kind of have takes in terms of like replacing elite talent, um, and how hard that can be. So I'll, I'll let you kind of go in here. Yeah. I, I just think people overstate how much of a machine Wisconsin is. The thing that is a machine indisputably is the, is the offensive line. So that's going to be good. Um, there is still some variance in how good it can be. And, and I think, as you pointed out, like there's, you know, not everyone is as good as, you know, Tyler Biadage and some of the, the really elite guys that they've had. Um, but I do think that's really crucial to note. Uh, Jonathan Taylor and Kintez Cephas, who's now, as, as everyone says, he's on the Lions now. Sorry, man. Uh, you <laughs> know, like, bro. Those two <laughs> Damn, guys, bro, that sucks. Those two guys, like, they're not, there's cogs. Those are two of the best, uh, those are two of the best skilled guys in the Big Ten last yeah. year overall. They're two of the best skilled guys Wisconsin has had in this century, even by the standard of Wisconsin having a lot of good NFL caliber running backs. Um, I, I think it's a mistake for a team that doesn't recruit at the level of, like, a Michigan or a Penn State to just assume that you replace guys like that. I think that's that's a little bit hubristic, and it's it could be a serious uh, problem for Wisconsin. They're going to need a receiver to emerge because other than Cephas, they didn't have 
anything last year. So, yeah. yeah. And we're going a little bit more in depth on Wisconsin than I think, you know, some other teams because they're obviously, you know, one of the better teams in the schedule. Um, you know, I think, I think you're totally right. And I think it's like, you, you'll say like, oh, you know, they'll replace the running back. They'll find another great running back. And they very well might. But that those kind of truisms only hold up until they don't, right? Like, there was a time where, you know, people were saying like, oh, Michigan will always have like an, a, a great offensive line. Um, you know, or Michigan or will always, always have, have a great... game manager quarterback who does the right thing in the pocket. <laughs> exactly. And it's, and, and it just, you know, it, it was true until it wasn't. Um, so, you know, I think, I think skill positions can be a problem. And I also think like that's going to matter against teams that can score. Like we have seen Wisconsin in games where they like, Hey, foots your fire you're down 10. Now they kind of just turtle up and they, they, they can beat a lot of teams by like just running the ball, running the ball, like, and then just like, you know, pick and choosing your spots to on the passing game. And, and they look legitimately great when they do that. But I do think there's something to be said that, you know, when they get into situations where they're like down 10 or down 17 and like other teams can kind of kick, to, kick it to another gear, their offense is just like, that's not part of their normal offense, you know? Um, so then moving on to their defense, um, you know, this is kind of a classic, like greater than the subunit parts type defense. Um, you, you look at every single player, and it's, they're just not amazing, you know. They run a 3-4, and their defensive linemen basically just keep the linebackers clean. Um, their two defensive ends are just are just guys, but they just eat blocks. Um, I think their, their nose tackle, uh, who was a freshman last year, actually looked really good as a freshman. Um, or actually, sorry, good as a freshman, which means he's going to be like a stud. So I, I would say that, you know, Keanu Benton, um, their, their true nose tackle, is, is probably your best bet for, like, a standout defensive lineman. Um, from, a, uh, from a linebacker perspective, um, Jack Sanborn is kind of your, like, classic Wisconsin linebacker. Um, weirdly, sort of a better blitzer and coverage linebacker than a run-stopping linebacker. Um, but he's, you know, he's going to be your pass rush guy. Like, he's going to be the guy that, like, you know, is just in your backfield all game. Like, it seems like all Wisconsin linebackers are. Um, and then, you know, uh, Leo Chanel, who's your other linebacker, is, um, is more like a classic Wisconsin run stuffer. Um, and then, you know, their, their safeties and corners are just, like, you look at them and they're all just kind of guys. Um, but, at, like, they, they come together to make, like, really good defenses. It's just... It just feels like you can never get one over on Wisconsin's defense. I think um, I think Michigan should take some notes about that kind of secondary play for this season. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> this is like the the platonic ideal of what you know a, a Michigan secondary could look like, and uh, I yeah I agree. It's just even against Ohio State, you just see them like they kind of just keep things in front of them. They just contest things, and you know they live to see another down, and they're. You know, it's, it's going to be a good defense. I'm just not even – I'm not going to waste time, like, saying, oh, uh, you know, I, I think Michigan can out-athlete these guys um, if they buy themselves enough time and, and, you know, get – you know, really let their guys work against um, these cornerbacks. Um, but, you know, the run game is going to – like, Wisconsin's going to stop the run. Um, and they're going to keep things in front of them, and it's going to be a slog. Um, so, I don't know. I guess – do you have any other takes besides that? I mean – I think it's it, it comes down like I'm gonna skip ahead to like what a winner loss looks like and I'll keep saying this every segment because it's so important, you know. There's always a scenario where we lose games because Joe Milton just isn't good. But assuming that Joe Milton <laughs> right, is like right. uh, assuming he's roughly a wash and can run the offense Gaddis wants him to, 
uh, and do the right things with the, the skill talent they have. I think a loss in this game, uh, what it looks like is what it looks like last year, which is Michigan's, which would be a total inability for Michigan's defensive line to hold up against the run. And you see Wisconsin just getting that, you know, six, seven yards on first down every time, and that throws everything off, um, gives, gives Graham Mertz some room to work with, gives his pretty pathetic receiver some, some room to work with. Um, and that's very possible because we simply don't know how much better the interior of Michigan's defensive line is going to get. We simply don't know. We have a defensive tackle, other than the fact yeah. that Carlo Kemp should be a good three-tack as opposed to a bad nose tackle. Um yeah, and, and, you know, again, there's a scenario where, yeah, Wisconsin will be blitzing, and if Joe Milton is uh, pulling a John O'Corn, that'll be a problem. If Joe Milton is the kind of guy we hope he can be and is, and is making the right reads and is being put in a position to succeed, which I think he will be in terms of play calling, then I'm, honest, I'm honestly going to go down on record as saying I'm not afraid of this defense. Uh, I don't think the defense is the issue. I think the issue would simply be can Michigan win in the trenches because the last couple of years under Harbaugh – this is a, this is a really key point. The games Michigan has lost the last couple of years are games where they just their defensive line could not hold up in the trenches, and that threw everything off on defense and neutralized everything else they do well. And Wisconsin is a team that can do that to you. Yep. No, I agree. Um, I think a, I think a Michigan loss here looks like, um, you know, a, a parade of second and threes, um, where you know uh, maybe Wisconsin's receivers aren't good enough, aren't really that good. Um, but they're good enough to get open given time. Um, and, you know, uh, Quiddy Pay and, and Aiden Hutchinson are constantly worried about, you know, holding up the interior and we're just getting moved off the ball, you know. And, and yeah, that's that's 100% what it looks like. It looks like it looked like last year. A Michigan win, um, I think, looks like a game where, you know, they really go out and let it fly and Michigan's fast receivers can um, get, you know, really get loose deep against uh, this this uh, solid but relatively slow secondary. Um, and, you know, there's just enough big plays and, and Michigan gets them in enough, you know, third and, you know, enough passing downs to make it work. Um, so, you know, that said, I think Michigan will, will unless they look really good um, and are going to this season undefeated or going to this game undefeated, I think Michigan will probably be an underdog in this game. I, I don't know. What do you think, Connor? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we, we just don't know. These are two teams where there's a pretty wide range of outcomes for them because we've seen hyped Wisconsin teams come in and then go 7-5. and five. We've seen a lot of underdog Wisconsin teams climb the rankings and win double-digit games. That's their favorite thing to do over at Wisconsin. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I think we've gotten to the point where, because they've done that so many times, that uh, you know preseason rankings and stuff actually might overwrite them a little bit. But we just don't know. I mean, it—, it it, for me, you know what you're getting with the defense. You really do with, with this team. Um, it, I am very curious to see if their offense is similar to what it's been the last couple years uh, and how that, that actually plays out. I, I will say that I feel, I feel pretty good about this game for Michigan. I, I feel good about it partly because like Wisconsin was like preening so much when they got to beat the shit out of a Michigan team that did not have an offense at that point in the season last year. And I think if yeah. that Wisconsin team, even with Michigan's abject defensive tackle situation – I think if that Wisconsin team had to play Michigan by the end of the year when Michigan actually had an offense, I think it would have been a much different story. So, yeah, I agree with that. Um, and I will say, like that is something that is an underrated thing um, that you said earlier about you know we've seen hyped Wisconsin teams come in and just be okay. Um, I feel like people do give Wisconsin a lot of credit as like just this steady Eddie team. 
because they ignore them when they're bad. But there have been, like, several years in the past couple that Wisconsin has come in and, like, gone legitimately, like, you know, eight wins or seven wins, which, like, is not bad, but they we've seen Wisconsin be bad before, and it's very possible that they could just, you know, be... I mean, not bad, but but not as good as they, you know, not a top 10 team, not even a top 15 team. So, yeah, um, that's why I have to bitch as a Michigan fan and basically say, like, Michigan is simply not allowed to have, like, an eight or nine win season quietly, whereas Penn State and Wisconsin let, like, no one no one cares. They're just like, yeah, OK, they're ranked 16th and they won nine games. Good for them. Whereas with Michigan, it's like, you know, right. should Michigan cancel the football program? Uh, <laughs> should Harbaugh be exiled to an island? You know, like. <laughs> right. And, you know, that, I mean, look, this is getting into our larger, that does come with the territory, you know, being like a national power or whatever, or being, you know, a national brand, quote unquote. Um, but yeah, absolutely. It's like the, the, the eight and five year and like the, and last year's nine and four year were like the end of the world as far as national media was concerned. Um, so moving on to Rutgers here, I think we can just run through this. Um, you know, I actually did a rundown, like. I don't want you to think that I just ignored Rutgers. Um, I, I can't I, believe I – I'm sorry. Of, I have to cut you off. I can't believe you actually went through PFF for all of Rutgers players. I know. <laughs> I, dude, neither can I. Trust me. <laughs> I, I mean, look, one of, my, one of my pet peeves, I think, is that, like, Rutgers has kind of become this meme where it's like it's, – if you're like a – you know, if you're a blogger, you can get, like, some cheap laughs by saying, oh, damn, Rutgers is bad. Um, but, I, like, they are really bad, so I also can't get that mad at it. They're – they, they are very bad. Um, they brought in – I mean, I will say one thing. I think, you know, Greg Shiano Greg is their coach, right? And so I'm not making that up. Yeah, no, you're right. He's back. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He's he's back, baby. Um, but uh, uh, they, um, they, they, they've brought in a couple of, like, talented transfers, um, which is what you just had to do immediately. Like, you know, they, they – unlike Mel Tucker, who did not do that, and, you know, who knows how much they tried um, – Greg Schiano came in and is like, okay, we need to bring in transfers. Like, this needs to happen right now. Um, and I think that was the right move. They brought in Noah Verdahl, who's going to be their quarterback. He has not played very much at his other stops, but he, um, you know, has... He's not Archer you know, Sidkowski. <laughs> yeah, he's Ar- not Archer Sidkowski, which is, like, a huge upgrade. Um, <laughs> their offensive line is going to be a, a dumpster fire. They just don't even, like... I couldn't even find information about who's going to start. And usually that's, like, a pretty good metric for, like, okay, this, these guys are going to be bad. Um, they've got some talent. Um, they've got some talent at wide receiver. Bo Melton and Isaiah Pacheco are um, – I, I, in my preview here, I wrote they're both fucking heroes um, for, for putting up the production they did in, with, the, with the supporting cast they had. Um, so they're both legitimately good skill players, but, like, you can only be so good in a vacuum. This offensive line is going to suck, and – and this quarterback, I don't know, maybe he's okay, but he's also going to get no protection. Um, and then from a defensive perspective, like, I think they've actually got some decent defensive tackles. Michael Dwumfor, um is, you know, comes over from Michigan. Uh, we all know him. Um, a guy Michigan like, no. should not have allowed to walk for free. Yeah. Like. Yeah, let's, let's go on a little bit of a rant about that. So the big – oh, God, I have, like, a bigger thesis about that, so I'll try not to go into it. But – like, the, the, the big talking point that was, you know, Michael's 1-4 can't play the run. He's just a pass rusher. And that's all well and good. But given Michigan's defensive tackle situation this year, that should not disqualify you from getting playing time. Like, he could be a passing down defensive tackle. I don't know if he wanted to go home. Maybe it was a player decision. But, like, if Michigan's coaches forces, forced him out, that is a, a pretty frustrating decision in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think, like, 
it, it's it's bewildering, and I think like there's a hot take forming that maybe we should be for future episodes about like potential arrogance around personnel uh, in some aspects yes. of Michigan. But yeah, I have when we get to when we get to Penn State later, I actually have like a take about Michigan's like personnel and, and how um, we use them. So we we will get to some hot takes. Um, but back to Rutgers, um, they, their edges are, their edges are bad. Um, you know they're. They, they have one good pass rusher, uh, you know, veteran Mike Tveridov. Um, their other guy is not that good. Um, you know, so their defensive line is going to struggle even if uh, they've got uh, – also, sorry, fifth-year senior Julius Turner at defensive tackle is actually pretty good. Um, and, and Duom Four could be a good pass rusher. So this could be like an okay defensive – like uh, pass rushing defensive line, but it's like not going to – it's just not going to probably hold up. You know, we've seen Rutgers defensive lines in the past. Um where this team actually shines, and I want to, like, give Rutgers some shine here, they actually have, like, really good linebackers this year. Um, Tyshawn Fogg, Ola, Ola Cooney uh, Fatakusi, um, and uh, Michigan um, transfer Drew Singleton all were good last year. Um, so that's, like, three legitimately good linebackers. Um, you know, so, hey, props Rutgers doing one thing good here. Um probably not going to matter that much their defensive line is probably not going to keep them clean um and you know they're probably going to be in a lot of short fields but like hey those guys are going to be on nfl rosters i think um and then uh yeah at cornerback and safety they're just mostly all bad there's nothing really standing out there um so michigan's going to beat this Rutgers team by a lot like they always do um i don't really like i i did want to kind of i really kind of previewed Rutgers to see if i could think that they would potentially beat Michigan State on opening weekend. That's the main reason I did this. Um, and I think my answer is really no. Like, they just don't have a functional offensive line, which is, like, sort of like the tripping. Like, you can't even get to functional offense if you don't have at least, like, an offensive line that can stand in there. And they don't even have that. Um, and then they, they, you know, they have good linebackers, but they can't really, like, keep them clean. Um, so I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on Rutgers, Connor? I mean, like you said, the more interesting take is not Michigan versus Rutgers. Cause like Michigan, I, I think if Dan Volari had to start at quarterback, I think Michigan would still spank these guys, honestly, yeah. Yeah. because they would just like hand it to Giles Jackson and he would just run up the field. But, uh, it, the, the interesting take would be Rutgers versus Michigan state. And I'm actually a little bit more bullish than you. I know you did the homework. But the key thing about Michigan State, Wait, I you were you were just saying I can't believe you previewed this team. No, I mean, now... I, yeah, I mean, you did the homework, so credit to you, and I, I've learned a lot. Thank you. About okay. it's so great to look at your yeah. notes and be like, this guy is a one point five star, which I didn't know was actually a concept in recruiting. Um, I was that's yeah. But like the, the Michigan State records thing, I actually I'm not ruling out them beating Michigan State just because, as you pointed out, as we were great pains to point out. Michigan State's in a tra- in a full blown transition year at a moment of like a looming talent crisis that hasn't fully hit, but it has hit at quarterback. And the reality is, Michigan State's quarterbacks are so far below like big Big Ten competence that there are like some pretty dire worst case scenarios there that could occur against a team with decent linebackers and potentially some pass rushing on the line. That's my take. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I- I will say, and I tweeted this the other night, that I'm, I'm starting to talk myself into a Rutgers win over Michigan State. Um, you know, they came relatively close a couple of years ago. Um, I, I do think, like, Michigan State does just have, like, more talent overall. But Michigan State's, like, if Rocky Lombardi is your starting quarterback, and or they don't know who their starting quarterback is, the quarterback play could just be bad enough to lose to Rutgers straight up. So, you're right. In, in, in the way that offensive line can, like, really just completely tank a team that's even otherwise good you know 
kind of like the 2017 Michigan team. Um, yeah. I think quarterback play can do that same thing. Um, so, yeah, I I would say that, you know, yeah, this could it could be a rock fight. Um, I think Michigan State's like an 11-point favorite, which gives them like a 90% chance to win. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I could see it. I could see it. I just, I'm, I'm not like going to be um, working myself into like believing it's going to happen until, you know, they're up. They're up three in the third quarter. Um, so moving on to a much more interesting uh, topic, uh, Penn State. Um, so, Connor, you know, I know you've got hashtag takes on uh, Penn State. Um, so, you know, go off, King. So Penn State has been good. They are one of the premier college football powers in terms of both recruiting and on-field results over the last few years, the, north of the Mason-Dixon line. So there's, there's this tier of teams – so Ohio State's on their own level among Northern teams, and then there's this tier right below that that are also have had very strong results. That tier is Penn State, Notre Dame, and Michigan, all of which have like comparable <laughs> results in terms of S and P plus, all of which have comparable amounts of talent. They've had different right. Re- they've had different like sort of win loss records because their schedules are different. Uh, and this is where my my write about Michigan about Penn State comes in, which is they are very good. They're they've been about as good as Michigan. They are they are Michigan's most direct peer. In the Big Ten, um, the talent is almost equal according to 247's talent rankings. Uh, Michigan has actually out recruited them most years. I think Michigan's had some more attrition among their higher rated guys, and lower rated guys have popped more for them than for Penn State. But yeah. like you know, Harbaugh is three and two against Franklin. Uh, that, that was pretty close to being four and one. And I, I take Penn State very seriously. They could very well beat Michigan this year. They probably will be the favorite coming into the game. And, you know, deservedly so. Because like Michigan, they're a team that has a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. And both sides of the ball are going to be good, much like Michigan. And the point here is to act as if Penn State is pulling away from Michigan because they always get their 11th win against, you know, Arkansas Technical Flight School in a New Year's Six Bowl is just total bullshit. And, like, you know, that that – in a, in, a, in a universe where, like, we are, as Michigan fans, are not insane and Michigan is playing peer, peer teams, then, like, and, like, Michigan's rivals were just Penn State and Michigan State and Ohio State just ceased to exist, which would be blissful, I have to say. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, I imagine that world every day. Then this is just a healthy rivalry. Like, Michigan State, Penn State is what a healthy rivalry, rivalry looks like. It's like Duke Carolina, where, like, both teams are good. They play good games often. I mean, last year was a good game, at least. Um, that's yeah. I mean, I could go on like this, but that's that's the main thing for me is that Penn State is good. They are very comparable to Michigan. They are in no way, shape, or form pulling away from Michigan. <laughs> I I agree. As a program, I don't believe Penn State's pulling away from Michigan. I think like you just have to like you said, it's, this has been a healthy, healthy rivalry. Um, and I I really do enjoy you know my my you know full disclosure. My brother goes to Penn State. Um, you know, is still a Michigan fan, which owns as we've talked about. I mean, that's um, like I hope your brother's gonna hear this. I'm gonna say like that takes balls, man. Like you you really you truly have my admiration. <laughs> I'm not joking at all. Like good for you. He, yeah, he, no, absolutely. He's I mean, yes, he's he's a he. We almost got into some fights, and like I like I was the one calming him down. I'm like Josh, you go to school here. You can't be getting into fights at this game. <laughs> um, <laughs> so shout out Josh. Love you. Um, so, uh, anyway, but I will say though, that I think Penn state is the better team than Michigan this year. Um, I was hoping to be less impressed, but like, this is kind of a pretty complete team. Um, so I'll run it down here. Sean Clifford was good. Um, was good last year. Um, I think, I I think he's, you know, leaves a little bit to be desired. Like, I don't know if he's an NFL player, but he, he's more than capable of running a, uh, of like a, a very good to elite college offense, you know? 
Um, and this year we'll kind of show, like, is this guy a potential, like, you know, high draft pick or is he JT Barrett? And, look, JT Barrett's a perfectly fine college quarterback. So, you know, the floor here is pretty high. Sean Clifford's pretty good. Um, I will say he had a bad bowl game, um, but, you know, whatever. I don't know. He had a pretty good game. Uh, like, he had a good game against Michigan. Um, offensive line, ton of talent here. This has kind of been the Achilles heel for Penn State. Um you know, the past couple of years, really, since Franklin's taken over. It's just even their good teams don't really have a good offensive lines. They brought in the offensive line coach from Boston College. I'm not Googling his name right now. I think it's Italian. Um, <laughs> and he's going to, you know, he put a, put together some really good offensive lines at Boston College. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, this, this has the potential to be like a quick turnaround in the offensive line because they've got like three top 100 guys starting here. Um, and, a, and a whole bunch of them were like, as individual players, were, were like, pretty good players. Um, you know, they all kind of struggled in run blocking to certain extents, but, like, I think they've easily got the talent, and I think, like, this could be a situation where it's, like, an offensive line coach comes in and just changes things up and, like, teaches them the right way to do things and, like, changes up some schemes, and the, the, the running game just immediately gets better. Um, and that's going to be, you know, that's potentially also possible because... Penn State's got incredible running backs. Um, Journey Brown is a potential, like, you know, high draft pick. Noah Kane is, like, your, you know, your second guy who's um, also really, really good. You know, I think this is the only – this is the best running back room in the conference. I think it's even better than Michigan's, um, unfortunately. I think they've got more proven, like, top-end talent. Um, so, you know, they've got guys that are going to be able to hit home runs this if this offensive line can gel. Um the problem here, uh, it, weirdly, you know, given Penn State's history, is wide receiver. Um, the only returner they've got here is Jahan Dotson, who is, like, kind of like a guy that caught balls. Like, he's just not – he's he's like a slot. He's a, he's a productive slot receiver. I don't think he's great. Um, and then they're kind of looking at, like, Daniel George, who was a four-star, um, but never – you know, hadn't, hasn't played much um, – Cam Sullivan Brown was a former three-star, you know, senior three-star who didn't play much. And then you've got um, freshman four-star, uh, you know, Keandre Lambert-Smith, um, who, and as, you know, as we've talked about, uh, freshman wide receivers are usually pretty bad. Um, you know, on the good side, though, uh, Pat Fryermuth um, comes back for his senior year, and he's sick. Um, you know, he's a he's a legitimate receiving tight end. He's very, very good. Um so from an offensive perspective, you know, I think they – oh, sorry. And they also brought in Wisconsin – or Minnesota's offensive coordinator who ran that um, – the, the uh, you know, RPO scheme that we talked about earlier in the episode. Um, so from an offensive perspective, I, I think this team's going to be good. And by the time they get to Michigan at, the end, at, like, the back half of the schedule, they'll probably find some receivers. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you, what, what do you, what's your take, Connor? My take is that, yeah, I am – this offense I take very very seriously. I think I think bringing in the Minnesota coordinator is a move not to underrate because they Penn State has one thing about James Franklin. I don't know that James Franklin himself knows anything about football, but he does hire good assistants. He has a very good taste in staff. Yeah. Um <laughs> right. And yeah, I mean just looking up and down the roster, like it's kind of uh, kind of similar to this is like this is almost like if you took like the Minnesota thing of like well-coached quarterback who's functional with more talent. Like you said, that the the running backs are very good. The offensive line is a question mark, but like not so much of one that it's going to derail anything. I do think the receiver thing is very interesting because 
for one thing, if you're if you're Michigan and your biggest fear right now is that your cornerbacks are not going to be good, that's what you want to hear. And I would definitely, given Michigan's linebacking unit, like and stuff, I I um I think that actually Michigan matches up in some ways quite favorably with this because like you're talking about a team that has a lot of a lot of very good skill talent, but doesn't have like elite pass protection or anything, and, and that means you know Michigan will get to the quarterback as they always do, but can probably get there without sacrificing too much. And, you know, Michigan's going to be good, I think, against um, sort of the typical run game this year. So I, I take this offense very seriously. I think Michigan matches up fairly well with it. But, I mean, yeah, like Penn State, Penn State's good. <laughs> yeah, Penn State's good. I think the ceiling for this offense is very, very high. I think the biggest pro- – like, I'll just make a quick point. The biggest problem for Penn State is they play Ohio State week two, where, like, if this offensive line is going to, like, gel and turn into an elite unit – and, the, and they're going to find some receivers. It's not going to probably happen by week two. And unfortunately, that's like their biggest game. And if they lose that game, they're pretty much not going to win the division. Yeah. So, it, like, kind of a tough draw for Penn State there. Like, if they were playing, you know, Ohio State, maybe even like the third, fourth, fifth game, I'd feel a lot better about their chances to really challenge Ohio State. Um, yeah. But I mean, my know, they, take, they're just. Like, there's been a lot of takes that always get flung around, like, are they the team to challenge Ohio State in the division? And no, I don't think this year they are. Um, yeah, I think they and Michigan, of course, are both teams that are trying to figure out what to do, given the talent deficit, um, to do so. But no, I, I don't see them as a serious threat to Ohio State. I think rating them like six in the country, as some polls have, is uh, kind of silly, to be honest. But yeah, they're good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, they're good. Um, and then on the defensive side, this is just a really, this is honestly a very complete defense. Um, they've got two, uh, they've got two really good defensive tackles. One of which. Um, is like a you know a, a top like fifty guy who is like probably gonna you know he, he was really good as a sophomore and is probably gonna pop even more as a uh, a, a junior. That's PJ Mustafer. Um, their defensive ends they've got one kind of freak athlete rusher um, and one you know Shaka Tony who is like just a really good all around end. Um, Jason Owe is you know that your your like a uh, top hundred guy who they're hyping up like to the moon and I you know. I kind of buy it. I mean, I, I don't. There's no reason to think Penn State won't have great rushers. Um, they do lose Mika Parsons at the linebacker level, which is you know cannot be understated. He was so good, All American level. Um, but they've got two guys that were like pretty good. Like I don't think linebacker is going to be a problem, but it's definitely a huge, huge downgrade. Um, and then uh, at the at the um, the safety and quarterback level, uh, you know, secondary, um, they've got. Uh, Two really good safeties that are really good in coverage. Um, and then two cornerbacks that were like, like I would say are the relative weak spots of this defense. I'm not saying they're bad, um, but Tariq Castro-Fields um, did uh, like like struggle a little bit last year. And then their other um, corner, Keaton Ellis, was like only pretty good. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, like this is a complete defense. Um, I would say the upside is like Michigan did move the ball on basically the same defense last year. Um, you know, uh, so, but it, but it's, it's definitely like the type of defense that like, there's not a glaring weak spot that Michigan can like exploit for free yards, you know? I mean, yeah. My broad take here, looking at this roster is like, this is, this is like Michigan playing itself. Like <laughs> that's a mirror, yeah. right? Like, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I realize that, that probably all, all things be equal. Michigan will probably be a little bit worse than these guys this year. And, and the question mark is how the whole quarterback situation plays out. But I mean, you know, it's like those those corners, they might be a little bit better than Michigan's corners, but that that kind of seems like what Michigan's dealing with, right? Where you have three point five stars who 
you hope will be okay and are certainly not not superstars and like it just it, i just get a very similar this is this is just a good i think even matchup um that penn state probably has the edge in this year but do you want me to talk about like what a win would look like or oh yeah um yeah what is what does a win look like for michigan here I think that this is just the game where, by this point in the season, uh, we'll probably know what we have with Joe Milton for this year at least. And if if Joe Milton's coming to this game with some draft hype, if he hasn't made an inordinate number of turnovers, if he's completing a good percentage of his passes, and if Michigan looks like a team that is actually utilizing their really excellent uh, team speed on offense, then yeah, that at that point, I think this game looks like a coin flip. And one that's very winnable for Michigan, but it's really going to be a it really is going to be a matter of Michigan's going to have to score a lot of points explosively in the passing game uh, to beat these guys because Penn State's they're going to score on us. Um, and you know, a, a win looks like Michigan's cornerback play being equal to these receivers, which is not out of the question given that the receivers are not superstars. It looks like Michigan uh, not having the worst case scenario defensive tackle getting a little bit better there linebackers being stars which i think is pretty likely to happen but like it's it's really just there's no way to say it other than just like for michigan to win this game um and to come it come into it being a being a coin flip means that michigan is going to have to realize maybe not the absolute best case scenario for the season but one of the better cases like it's going to require the, the question marks for michigan to have resolved into positives and for that to actually play out in this matchup and, I, and again i think it it's the same theme as ever it's like if milton is what we hope he can be then Michigan absolutely has a very good chance in this game. If not, I think it would take something of a miracle. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Um, this is a very good team, and I think you know it's it's just very it's very easy to see a Michigan loss here. I mean, it just looks like, you know, like more or less what it did last year, where it's like, uh, you know, that Michigan can like kind of can play with these guys, but at the end of the day, like Penn State has more explosive, you know, has the better quarterback play, um, you know, has a little bit more consistent defense, um. Yeah, I mean, it, it just it looks like Michigan playing itself. Um, so, and then my take, my the take I was kind of re- referring to earlier is I just see. So I look at this Penn State team, and you know, like we said, Michigan has recruited on par or better than Penn State in most years, and it's it's kind of weird to see so many top hundred players starting on this defense. And I really do think something that Penn State has done a good job of is. You know, they have really let their talent just go out there and play. Whereas I think sometimes Michigan really is reluctant to, like, play talented young guys and will, like, kind of favor the uh, the veteran, less spectacular options. And that's, like, not what we should be doing against... You know, I think that's, that's part of why Penn State has been relatively more successful against Ohio State. Yeah, that's an interesting take. I mean, I, I ask, I'll ask you the questions about that. Like, do you think that means that Michigan we don't we don't know what these guys look like in practice but would it mean like trying to emphasize more getting Mozzie Smith out there over like Donovan Jeter that kind of thing yeah I mean that's that's what I would say yeah it's like the guy that like I think Mozzie Smith is the type of guy that you know um like maybe Don I mean look we don't know anything about Mozzie Smith so maybe he's just totally crap and a total bust whatever but like I kind of have a hunch that Don Brown sort of like Mozzie Smith's just not doing the little things correct like he's not practicing the right way um he's maybe just like doesn't know all of his assignments and that's keeping him off the field whereas like okay but is that worth it if like we can just get a nose tackle out there that can like be a bear and make like you know hashtag make plays you know 
Like, I, I don't know. It's I, Look, I, I don't have, like, a fully formed take. I just think it's interesting to see how much top-level talent is is starting and playing big roles at Penn State versus Michigan that's recruited at the same level, but a lot of their starters kind of end up being, like, those three-and-a-half-star guys. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and there's so many interesting caveats to that, but I think that you're really onto something, which is that Penn State under Franklin, they have shown a, a willingness to let the guys who are going to make plays on both sides of the ball just go out there and do it. Um, K.J. Hamler, like— they had done such a better job unleashing their skill talent uh, in the last few years. And, like, our big hope for Michigan, this comes back to my take, like, for Michigan to beat a team like this this year, they need to get the ball into the hands of guys like Giles Jackson, which I think they will. But, like, it's going to be, it's gonna be you know, Jackson, Corum, um, a lot of the young guys who have the potential to pop are going to need to pop. And just to, yeah. To sort of trust that not everything's going to be perfect. And that comes it all comes back to quarterback, where it's like you're going to have a quarterback who's not going to be perfect. And, you know, one of the absolute worst signs for the program, you know, would be if, if Milton was making some mistakes but also making high upside plays and there's, like, chatter about, like, maybe it should be Cade McNamara. Or like, um, right. And, like, that's the nightmare scenario, right? But, I mean, no, you're generally right. Like, what Penn, Penn State has not done anything better in terms of bringing in talent than Michigan has. But there is a sense in that program that, like, they're going to go for the, hot, the the upside in every possible sense on offense and defense. And that has worked out pretty well for them. And Michigan's going to have to find ways to be more that way as a program. I'm totally with you on that. Yep, I agree. Um, so we're going long here, and the next game is Maryland. Um, so, look, top level with Maryland, I think they're honestly, like, closer to Rutgers this year than they are to Michigan State, unfortunately. Or, like, closer to Rutgers than they are to Indiana. Um this is, like, a very incomplete roster. I think it's, like, basically, like, they brought in Talia Tagovailoa, um, who, you know, seems, like, pretty much immediately transferred from Bama, um, wasn't good enough at all. Um, I don't, like, he seems like a four-star that was kind of a four-star because of his brother. Um, I don't want to shit on him too much because, um, you know, no one's seen him play. But this offensive line is going to be a total dumpster fire. Their receiver, they've got, like, one, you know, freshman five-star receiver and a couple guys that are okay. Um and then from a defensive perspective, it's just totally, totally incomplete and, like, not, like, a ton of holes. Um, a lot like Rutgers. I think Michigan's going to win by a lot. Um, I think it's kind of the same as our Rutgers take. So if you're okay with that, Connor, I will I will sort of skip through Maryland unless you have any yeah, specific Yeah, I mean, teams. if we reach the, this point in the season and there's any question about Michigan putting a whooping on Maryland, then, like, even Dan and I might be tuning out during games. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and I'm – trust me, I have watched some – bad Hoke teams play in some awful bowl games. So I am like an all-time, look, I'm a fan perseverance uh, medal winner. Um, so if, if, there's a, if there's a chance we lose to Maryland, it's going to be tough. Um, I, and I, I would just even say like every year it seems like there's like a couple guys on Maryland's team that like can make a play that like are going to be NFL players, whether it's, you know, they're really fast running backs or like they're, they're uh, good, you know, they're, they're like one good corner or whatever. Um, and like, there's not really that many of these guys, those guys this year. So this is going to be kind of an especially bad Maryland team. Um, so that's my take. Michigan's going to win by a lot. Um, I think they're. I think the Maryland Rutgers game is probably going to be the uh, the battle for the worst in the Big Ten, unless Michigan State can you know really just make my day and and, and kind of hit the low end of their expectations. We are so hoping um, that Michigan State will be will be the total oh, team this year. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, and you know, as, as far as that goes, that sort of wraps up the season preview, Connor, unless I'm forgetting anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ever since the, the big 10, ever since, um, 
the Big Ten got rid of all teams from Ohio, and I, I haven't really kept up with what's happened with any of those programs. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with Miami of Ohio or any of the other programs that may exist down there. So, yeah, I mean, there's nothing, nothing more to say, really, is there? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, my parents are Quakers. Um, I'm from Pennsylvania. Uh, so, you know, when I go home for Thanksgiving, we're not allowed to watch TV or use any electronics. So I've been, <laughs> unfortunately, unable to watch any uh, Michigan games that take place over Thanksgiving weekend um, ever. So I just, you know. Um, okay, uh, so that's enough of that bit. Um, Ohio State is very, 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 very good. Um, yeah. On offense, I mean, this offense is just going to be a complete, complete juggernaut. Um, quarterback, Justin Fields is, like, very, very good. He's high, He's legitimately Heisman level. He's not just a guy that, like, benefits from his elite skill position players, which, make no mistake, they do have. Um, but even under pressure, like, there was kind of a, a meme that, like, Justin's Fields under pressure wasn't that good. And he is worse, but, like, still very good. Um, so, uh, and then on the offensive line, like, just these guys are just all, like, re- like, this is, like, super Wisconsin. Like, they're much, they, this offensive line is much better than Wisconsin's. Um, like, it, like, it's just, it's just left to right. Like, Thayer Munford is, is, is really good. Harry Miller, it, Harry Miller was a legitimately great offensive lineman as a freshman, which, like, he's, so he's going to be just a complete mauler um, this year. Uh, Senior Josh Myers at center is really good. Wyatt Davis is elite. He came back from the NFL draft. He's, like, an incredible interior player. And then, you know, I mean, right tackle is potentially your, like, uh, Death Star trench run. Um, Nicholas Petit Ferrer was, like, a a five-star player supposed to start there this year he was bad last year but like you know in like a freshman way where it was like okay like understandable you know he's probably going to be very good because he's a five star and like you know he's going to be competing with other five this is sort of like their left guard you know for michigan where it's like yeah like they don't have a ton of experienced options or they don't have a ton of like options that have already shown their elite but whoever wins this job is going to obviously be very good this offensive line is going to be elite, um, and they're going to. If Michigan doesn't have this defensive tackle situation figured out by then, they're going to be able to mash. Um, at wide receiver, like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are both like, actually, like actually so good, like in their own rights. Um, this offense is, and you know, they're both like just very, very good receivers, extremely fast. Um, you know, Michigan. Michigan's almost certainly going to struggle to keep up with them. Um, and, uh, you know, at, at tight end, um, Luke Farrell barely gets the ball, um, but he's very good. He's a very good blocker, which, like, I don't know how – like, Ohio State literally has the one good blocking tight end in the entire league somehow. Um, and uh, and, their run, and their running backs are, like, the relative weakness, but, like, I don't – I can't even bring myself to even, like, say that. Like, who cares? They're going to be good. Like, they don't have, like, a J.K. Dobbins. But they've, they're going to have somebody that can, like, you know, run behind that offensive line and, and probably make his own fair share of good plays. Um, so, Connor, uh, Ohio State offense. <laughs> Ohio State offense. Uh, man. I, I, will say, I, I will say this. Um, that Michigan – well, is this a good time to talk about, like, the tale of the four different games that Michigan has played against these guys under Don Brown? Is this a good time to do that? Um, yeah, let's, yeah, because perfect, because we're talking about their offense. So, yeah, let's, let's re-litigate this again. Well, let's, let's just take, I think, take a moment here to get past some of the hysteria and and think about what actually has happened 
with these offenses, and you know they've they've changed over those this now five years under Don Brown. Um, but I think it's really really crucial that 2016 2017. You may recall Michigan was in a game with these guys in 2016. They were the better team and they should have won and they didn't and it's heartbreaking. Um, but they, you know they they did everything they could to win that game and just ultimately didn't. 2017 they were a ter- they were a really really bad offensive team um, with a good defense and. That Don Brown defense got us into a game with Ohio State that we would have had a chance to win, and we didn't. So, you know, twice in a row, then Michigan was in a game with these guys. Um, there's a theme between those two games that I'll get to when I say 2018-2019. You may also recall Michigan was not in a game with Ohio State in those two <laughs> Very games. Very much not. You may, yeah, I don't know if you've, if you've forgotten, but um, so what is the difference there? Well, a lot of, you know, it's hard to t- talk, talk in general terms about those, those situations where, like, different quarterbacks, personnel's changing on both sides of the ball. But there is something really important here. 2016, 2017, Michigan had Mo Hurst. And Michigan had elite defensive lines overall, you know, kind of powered by Hurst. And it really was a matter of Michigan was an equal or better to this Ohio State offense in the trenches. And so they were going to get pressured. They were going to make destructive plays on the defensive line. Um, and that was how Michigan ultimately got into a game with these guys. When Michigan has not been in a game with Ohio State – I don't think it's actually as much of a matter of, you know, cornerback gets dusted, which is always a great highlight, right? Like, it's always the most depressing thing you can see in in your arch rivalry game is the receiver running free and the cornerback is just, like, way behind him, which we've seen happen at Ohio State. That has been, I think, less the actual issue. Um, You know, Brandon Watson innocent is not quite my take, but, like, (laughs) that, that really has been less the issue than just 2018. Michigan got no pressure, and I mean none. Did not knock down yeah. Dwayne Haskins, I don't think, at all, basically. Um, it was it was jarring. It was jarring because that team, that was a very good pass rushing team. That was an elite pass rushing team. And yeah. It turns out that it was elite mostly because of Chase Winovich. And when Chase Winovich died and was resurrected for our <laughs> sins, you know, like he's, Jesus, he's fine yeah. now, which is great. But like when he died temporarily because an Indiana player sat on him, um, which is like, by the way, fuck Indiana for that, man. That's just like an underrated. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a dirty yeah. play for that sure. Was a, that was a filthy play. Anyway, um, when he died... <laughs> Michigan couldn't get any pressure, and and that was that. Like you, you can talk about scheme, which is valid. Like there's a lot of hubris in the scheme. You can talk about Brandon Watson, also valid. I don't know why he was out there versus Ambry. That might be our take about like play guys with upside for Christ's sake. But yeah. oh yeah, that, that's that's the perfect instance of that, by the way. Yeah, I mean Ambry should have been out there. There's no question. So you can put blame on the coaches. You can put blame on specific players. But ultimately, it was just that Michigan couldn't get any pressure and got walloped in the trenches. Um, and there was just nothing doing there. And 2019. Same thing. Michigan did a better job getting pressure, I think, because Don Brown is a good defensive coordinator and he adjusted to the personnel issues and found ways to get to Fields. Fields was under pressure. And I will say this. Early in that game, Fields did not look very good. He was making some very bad throws. He looked rattled. That was where the meme partly comes from is like, yeah, Michigan was able to get into his head a little bit. And, and, you know, God willing, that'll happen again to an extent this year. Um, But because Michigan had nothing in the middle of the defensive line, Ohio State and J.K. Dobbins, Wyatt Davis and J.K. Dobbins basically were able to just blow apart that interior and get seven, eight yards anytime they wanted, and that was that. So what I'm trying to say to you here is the way that Michigan gets into a game uh, with these guys, aside from needing to score more goddamn points, which we'll get to, is they need to have something in the trenches, they need to not be blown apart on the interior, and they need to get to the quarterback, and they need to do it with four guys. That's, I think, kind kind of the story here. Would you agree, Dan? I would agree. Um, yeah, I think I think the bigger, you know, I, I got to say, I just don't see Michigan c- 
consistently stopping this offense, even in, like, the best case. Like, I think, like, your most rosy take for the Michigan's, for Michigan season still involves Ohio State putting up, like, 40 points on this defense. Yeah. I got to be honest. Like, yeah. I don't think this, this offense is going to be stopped by anyone, um, including Michigan this year. Um, I think, like, you know, and now we'll get kind of into it, like, I think what this what a win it's very obvious what a, what a loss for Michigan looks like. We don't need to be reminded of that. We've all seen it for you know the past ten years. Um, but I think a win for Michigan looks like uh, you know um, just j- this offense being great and scoring uh, you know more points than Ohio State scores. Um, so uh, you know moving on to the defensive side, um, I'm not going to go through every position group. I will just say like every position group on Ohio State's defense is going to be very good. That's all there is to it. Um, they're all going to be, you know, potential NFL players at pretty much every position. Um, I think the upside you're looking at here is like, you know, Ohio State's kind of had this insane run of like pass rushers with Bosa, Bosa, Young, who are like, even for like five-star standards, like number one overall pick level talents. And you kind of just hope like, okay, maybe Ohio State doesn't have, maybe Ohio State has great ends, but they don't have that guy this year. And maybe, you know, Ohio State has great corners, but they don't have Jeff Okuda this year. Um, So, you know, I think, like, hopefully your hope here is that this defense is only great and not, like, all-time elite like it was last year. Um, Which I think is actually— What are kind of your thoughts? I think that's actually a a pretty reasonable thing to hope for is just, yeah, this probably ends up being the best defense in the Big Ten, but— it's tough to get any better, like you said, than the Bosa, Bosa, Young sequence. And I think guys like, like Zach Harrison is very good. Um, you know, is he going to be as good as Chase Young? I don't think so as a as like a redshirt, as he's a true sophomore or whatever. Um, as far as the secondary, they had a really, really amazing secondary last year. And I think it'll be a little bit like it, it won't it won't be as a situation where it's like all upperclassmen who are all NFL guys, which is basically what it was last year. Um what does that ultimately mean? I mean, it still means Michigan is overmatched. Um, I, yeah, I mean, the way that Michigan wins this game, I, I give that long speech about the trenches, and, and I agree with you, Dan, by the way. Like, w- when I say getting something in the trenches, I don't mean you hold Ohio State to 21. I mean you try to hold them to 42, and then you try to, you try to <laughs> right. score 45. That's, and that's modern football. Yeah. That's modern football. That's when you play that, – that's like – that was like, you know, Oklahoma, Kansas State. Like, you, you don't – you, you just hope that they don't score more than 1.5 times a quarter, basically. Um, and and so a win on the offensive side here. What, what you need to win this game on the offensive side is you need Joe Milton to be a beast. You need him to just tear – like, you need this guy to be, like, you know, <laughs> tearing – ripping off runs on zone reads. You need him to be hitting these bo- bombs over guys' back shoulders downfield. You need him to be shrugging off, you know, uh, pass rushers. Like – you need – I'm going to say it again. You need the good version of Josh Allen. Like, you need peak Josh Allen who's <laughs> right, just, like, yeah. running around out there, like, you know, shoving linebackers to the ground, flicking the ball 50 yards. And, and I think that, like, with Joe Milton, he can be that guy. And I think that one nice thing is that Josh Gaddis is a game planner and play caller who will put him in a position to succeed uh, and will put them in a position to use their weapons against Ohio State. And, like, the nice thing is, you know, Michigan has genuinely elite team speed on offense – and, you know, if, if all goes well, there's no athletic reason that they can't score on Ohio State. It's just going to be a matter of, of the fact that this is still going to be one of the best defenses in the country. So, yeah, a win for Michigan basically looks like Ohio State scores 42 points 
Michigan scores 49 points because Joe Milton threw five touchdowns and played out of his goddamn mind and like might might be a Heisman candidate. <laughs> like that's that's yeah, how this goes, yeah. right? You know. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, and I think the upside there is Michigan's offense did move the ball pretty effectively last year, and when it didn't move the ball, it was mostly kind of like I know it's like cliche to say it was shooting itself in their own foot, but like. They missed a wide-open touchdown just because Hassan Haskins, who had been, you know, a great running back up until that point, just completely missed a hole. Um, They missed, you know, Shea Patterson just basically fumbles for absolutely no reason. You know, like, they're, like, this was legit, this offense legitimately, like, played, oh, God, I can't believe I'm going to say this, and, like, I'm probably, you know, this is, like, very homerish of me, but I'm going to say this offense played the best out of any offense against Ohio State's defense last year, including... God damn. Including Clemson. I'm just going to say it. Like, they, they did. They played. It's like Michigan's offense played this this defense as good or better than anyone else in the country last year. Um, and, like, that's that's such a – that's the most homer thing you'll ever hear me say on this podcast. Um, but, like, I think it is true. And, you know, but, again, that's, that, that doesn't mean that that happens this year again. Um, I think, you know um, – it's. I think. I think honestly, what a Michigan win looks like in this game is uh, in twenty twenty one. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, well, yeah, I agree. This is a, this is a very good Ohio State team, and I think like it's it's unfortunate that like we're just saying yeah, you know, not wait till next year. But like, I do think you probably want to wait for Justin Fields to be in the NFL. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. Like even for Ohio State, even if you recruit like Ohio State, it is tough to replace Justin Fields. Just like it's tough to replace Okuda and Young because he's like a different level of talent. I agree. I think this is mostly a tune-up for next year, especially for the offense, which will, I think, be back with a vengeance in 2021 if all goes well. Um, but I, I, I will say that you're not. And if there's a year to, if there's a year to kind of punt one up, like, hey, you know, this year is going to be uh, kind of a, a, a kind of a mess anyway. So like, I, you know, like let's let's just say that this doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think you had some really good points. I, I don't. I'd have to go back and look at like some stats and stuff. To, about the claim about Clemson playing this def- like versus Michigan playing this defense. I will say, I recall at least, in the first half, um, yeah, Michigan looked very good. They had a great game plan on offense. They were clicking. They were moving the ball. And the, the what, what killed them in the first half was just it was the classic Ohio State-Michigan luck thing where, like, Michigan's defense did a phenomenal job putting Ohio State in some, like, long third downs. And then, like, you have J.K. Dobbins dribbling the ball to himself or – you know, getting free right. on a broken play where Michigan was going to sack Justin Fields 15 yards and, oh, there's Dobbins again. I think actually losing Dobbins is big because that guy, he was a terror for Michigan last year, um, uh, especially yeah. on broken plays. And that was actually, he kept them in the game in a, in a time when Fields was looking a lot worse than Shea, I think, in that first quarter, actually, um, for yeah. temporarily, yeah. you know. So, so right. you know, I mean, you're not – I don't know. The, the, the thing they feel good about coming out of that game is to say, well, I think Gaddis – I'm a big Gaddis believer. I think Gaddis is a guy – Gaddis was able to scheme and use his personnel to keep Chase Young relatively out of things, which is, like, no small achievement. Um, right. And I, and I, I think that he, he understands this kind of opponent. I mean, Josh Gaddis has game-planned against the best and with the best, and I, and I think, like – that's one thing to feel very good about Michigan. And I think also by the end of the season, Josh Gaddis will be doing what we were complaining about the defense not doing, which is using his best players in positions where they have upside. I mean, one of the first things that they did against Ohio State in their first drive was they – what was the play? Was it an end around to, like, uh, Giles yeah. Jackson or whatever? Yeah, to Giles. Yeah. yeah, so Giles Jackson's 17 years old, and Michigan's game plan against this juggernaut arch rival is, like, we're going to give this kid the ball because he has the ability to make <laughs> right, a play. yeah. 
And that's something that, you know, Don Brown is not doing the equivalent of on the defensive side, but Gaddis is willing to do. So that's good. Yeah. Um, and so uh, <clears throat> I guess, um, you know, t- to wrap this all up, um, you know, what is your record prediction? Kind of break down how the season works, um, how it, you know, how it goes. Um, and uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's talk. Let's, what, what's going to happen. So I think that my main take here is that it's rational and reasonable to project anywhere from five and four to eight and one, and I'm cl- I'm throwing in that ninth game that they don't even talk oh, about. Yeah, yeah, It'll yeah. probably be Iowa. I think Michigan's chances of winning that game are pretty good, but anyone other than the top two teams in the Big Ten West, I, I like their chances. So that's that's probably a win for me. But I think anywhere from five to four to eight and one is rational. I think predicting projecting this Michigan team to go nine and zero would be highly it would be overly optimistic and i think i think projecting anything worse than over 500 is is also unduly pessimistic that that said i'm gonna steal one from my man ace over at mgo blog and say i i feel seven and two which is a little bit on the optimistic end i think that they lose to ohio state um hopefully with with a valiant effort uh defeat with dignity (laughs) sorry i'm sorry (laughs) i had to do it but uh we're doing our own defeat with dignity this year um and and then i think they lose another game and i actually think my narrative for the season my guess is i think there's a good chance they lose the minnesota game and everyone's despairing and then i think you see this team actually come back from that and i i kind of feel good about penn state and wisconsin they're both home games which matters less this year but I, I don't know. I feel pretty good about those matchups, actually. But I do think Michigan drops one other than the Ohio State game. It could be Minnesota. It could be Penn State. It could be Wisconsin. They could easily drop more than that. But I, I'm a pretty big believer in this offense. And I also think the defense will, once again, for all of the, the rending of garments going on, I think that, once again, the defense will be among the best in the country. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree with that take. Um. So my season project. So by the way, basically you're projecting a 2018 season where they lose the first game. You know, everyone despairs. Maximum, like uh, everyone gets their hopes up. They win uh, six straight and then lose heart- in a heartbreaking fashion um, to Ohio State. So glad that that's that's the fun <laughs> version of, of Michigan's yeah, schedule. That's yeah. what you just described there. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, um, my season prediction. Um, I agree. I think it's likely that the. I just feel like it's likely they lose to Minnesota. I just think it's like Minnesota's a bad matchup. I think Michigan's more comp- more talented overall, but you know Minnesota has, um, uh, you know Minnesota specifically has a, a really good quarterback and a really good number one receiver that can probably take advantage of like, you know Michigan's uh, secondary. Um, so I, I think I'll say they lose to Minnesota. I think again this year uh, Harbaugh wins every game that he should, which it continues like you know that pretty impressive streak of like not getting upset by bad teams. I don't think, you know, Michigan State, Rutgers, Indiana, Maryland, um, I don't think any of those teams really, you know, pose a, a huge, huge risk to Michigan. So I'll say they win all of those. Um, I'll say they win one of Penn State and Wisconsin. Um, if you had to put a gun to my head, I'll say I'll, I'll say that Penn State has things figured out by this time of the year and kind of, you know, is, is just a better team than Michigan. Um, and I'll say that Wisconsin is just underwhelming this year and Michigan beats Wisconsin. Um, and then I'll say that, you know, Michigan, unfortunately, I think will, you know, barring a valiant effort, they're going to lose to Ohio State. Ohio State's very good this year, and that's just unfortunate. Um, so I'll say I'll say five and three. I'll say six and three because they'll get to play um, an overmatched West squad because they, they basically can't play Minnesota or Wisconsin as a, as a rematch. So they'll get, like, Nebraska or, 
Iowa or Purdue, um, all of whom I feel good about. So I will say six and three is my record prediction. Yeah, I think we have similar takes on the season with, with me being a little bit rosier about the Penn State matchup, but that's not really based on any evidence. It's more just based on like my my stubbornness about the narratives around these teams and that uh, I think I think Michigan can hack it with them. But like the nice thing is we'll know so much more about all these teams by that point. And I think the overarching take I have is that there are a lot of question marks here. Defensive tackle, cornerback, overall youth on offense. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the question is, can Joe Milton make the ball go zoom? <laughs> Absolutely. And if he makes that ball go zoom, we got a chance in every game. Um, so I think it's a good place to stop here. Uh, we went a lot longer than we thought we were going to, but we did preview every game. Um, so I mean, uh, we need a breakdown of the Rutgers roster. Like, who else can, can yeah, claim that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who else would – look, you might not have wanted that content, but you got it. And um, at the very least, you have to – like. I would say I'm nothing short of a hero um, for, for doing that. <laughs> um, 